Welcome to the audio version of Lift Your Eyes, Reflections on Paul's Letter to the Ephesians, by me, Lionel Windsor, New Testament Lecturer at Moore College, Sydney. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 17 to 18. What's the point of theology? The full name of the college I teach at is Moore Theological College. The word theological says something about who we are. It's a reminder to us about our core business. Even though the Bible is foundational to everything we do, and even though we spend a lot of our time studying the Bible, we haven't called ourselves a Bible college. And even though our aim is to train men and women for ministry and mission in the world, we haven't called ourselves a ministry training college. Why is that? Because our deep study of the Bible and our ministry and mission training all stems from something more basic, theology. We want people to study the Bible so they can learn theology. In our training, we want to equip people with theology and equip them to bring that theology to others in a variety of situations. So we call ourselves a theological college. But what exactly is theology? And what is the point of theology? The word theology sometimes gets used to mean something like technical details about spiritual things that experts argue about and isn't much practical use to regular people. But that's just a caricature. It's not what theology is. The essence of theology is knowing and speaking about God. That's what the word means. Theology comes from theos, which is God, and logia, deriving from logos, speaking or thinking. God has made himself known to us in his Son, Jesus Christ. That means it's possible to know him and speak about him. Of course, since God is so amazing and his ways can often seem mind-bending to our human understanding, theology needs care in the details. Sometimes theology needs some serious discussion and thinking. But that doesn't mean theology is just for experts or people who like nitpicking arguments. Theology matters for everyone. Why? Because knowing God matters for everyone. And knowing God is possible for everyone who comes to him through his son, Jesus Christ. That's why when we study the Bible together and train people in ministry and mission, the core of this study and training is knowing God and helping others to know God. Now, because God is so big and wonderful and beyond our own ability to fully comprehend, prayer needs to be at the heart of theology. We need to ask God to reveal himself to us and to others. And this is precisely what Paul does in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 17 to 18. He prays for his readers, people who've come to believe in and live for Jesus Christ. Paul's prayer is a big prayer. It's a prayer for more theology. Here it is, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 17 to 18. I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, 
would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation as you understand him, having had the eyes of your hearts enlightened, so that you would know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance among the holy ones. Paul prays that God would help them to understand more and more what he has already revealed to them in the gospel. He's not simply praying they'll know more technical stuff. He's praying that they will know more about God himself. He prays this prayer because he knows they need it. And he knows it is utterly life-changing. And because Jesus Christ came to reveal God to us, it's a prayer that he can pray with great confidence, knowing that God will answer it. Let's look at some of the details of the prayer Paul prays. Paul begins by describing the God he is praying to. Firstly, he is the God of our Lord Jesus Christ. This phrase reminds us that to truly understand God, we need to know his son, Jesus Christ. We see that in verse 2. It also reminds us about all the incredible blessings God has given us in Christ, like adoption and forgiveness. We see that in verses 3 to 14. Secondly, Paul describes God as the Father of glory. Glory, because God is glorious and wonderful. And Father, because as God's children, we can look forward to great glory from him. Thirdly, Paul describes God as the one who gives the Spirit. Here we see the one God in three persons. Later Christians use the term Trinity at work. God the Father is glorious. He brings about his glorious purposes in his Son, Jesus Christ. And he does this through the Holy Spirit, who enables us to know God more and more. Paul is not praying that God would give the Spirit as an entirely new gift, as if the Spirit is some force separate from the Father and the Son that can be provided as an optional extra for some Christians. Paul has previously said that those who believe in Jesus Christ have already been sealed with the Holy Spirit. But Paul is praying that God would keep giving his grace to them even more, that the Spirit would enable them to grow more and more in their knowledge of him. How does Paul describe this knowledge of God? Well, it's not about impractical technical details, is it? Paul describes the knowledge of God with two words, wisdom and revelation. Wisdom simply means understanding the shape of the world and acting appropriately. We need wisdom to live in this world. We need wisdom to live as Christians. We need wisdom for Christian ministry. And we need wisdom for mission as we seek to share Jesus with others. But we'll only have that wisdom when we understand the true shape of the world. And because the true shape of the world is something that only God knows, we need God to reveal it to us. We need to know who God is and what his plans are. In other words, we need revelation. That's what the Spirit does. He is the Spirit who reveals God and his purposes to us so that we can understand God, understand the shape of the world, and act appropriately. Now, in one sense, if we've heard the gospel and believed in Jesus Christ, 
we already do understand God. And we already do understand the shape of the world at its most basic level. Through the gospel of Jesus Christ, we've had the eyes of our hearts enlightened. God has brought that light to our eyes so we know who he is and what he's done for us. The Spirit has revealed God's plans to his holy apostles and prophets, as Paul says later. And as the apostles and others have preached the gospel, we've heard it and know it too. So Paul is not praying that the Spirit will reveal totally new things. But Paul is praying that the Spirit will enable his readers to see even more the true significance of what they already know. We need the Spirit to keep showing us who God is. We need the Spirit to keep showing us what the gospel really means for us, for our lives and our desires and longings. We need the Spirit to help us join the dots between the gospel and every little aspect of our lives. In particular, in these verses, we see that we need the Spirit to help us to grasp our hope. So Paul prays that his readers would know what is the hope. He's not just asking for a stronger feeling of hope or a general increase in optimistic outlook. He's praying that they would know the content of the hope. This is a prayer to understand more and more what we hope for and what it means for us. What do Christians hope for? Firstly, this hope involves his calling. God has called us to something. And this calling defines who we are and gives us our identity. This isn't just an individual calling to a particular job or role. This is something that God calls all Christians to be part of. What is it? Paul's already described it in verses 3 to 10. We are called to be God's children. We are called to be forgiven and adopted by God. This is our place in the world. This is our identity. In other words, this is our vocation. The word vocation comes from the Latin for calling. Being a forgiven and adopted child of God through Jesus Christ is the central and primary calling Christians have, beyond any individual role or job. This calling gives us hope, because it means we are God's holy people. We are loved and valued by God, and we are God's very own possession. And we know that God will redeem us in the future and love us forever. Secondly, this hope is also rich and glorious. Yes, our sins are forgiven and we're rescued from God's judgment. But we're not just forgiven and rescued from judgment, we're also rescued for something. We're rescued to be with Jesus forever. Jesus Christ is even now risen from the dead and more powerful than anything or anyone in the universe. And we can look forward to being with Jesus in the future. Our bodies grow sick and die, don't they? But in Christ there will be a time when we will be raised forever with him to live as God's people in a new creation. Thirdly, our hope involves God's inheritance among the holy ones. This is a reminder of what Paul's already said in verses 11 and 12. In the Old Testament, God's heritage or inheritance was Israel, the people he loved. But now, through the gospel of Jesus Christ, God has claimed his inheritance and extended that blessing to all those who believe in Christ. This helps us to see how sure and certain our hope is. 
Since we've already seen how God kept his Old Testament promises to Israel through Jesus Christ, we can trust him to keep his promises in the future. Our hope isn't some uncertain wish about something that might or might not happen. We can know that we are God's possession and we can know that he will redeem us. Of course, all this information comes from the Bible. We can't bypass the Bible when it comes to learning theology. It's God's word to us. But we always need to remember that the purpose of reading the Bible isn't just to understand the Bible. The purpose is to know God and his purposes so that we might have hope. And in the following verses, which we'll look at next time, we also see that it gives us strength. This is a prayer we might pray for ourselves, isn't it? Many of us work long hours and days and years to gain knowledge for our earthly vocation. How much more should we pray that God will work in us by his spirit to deepen our knowledge of him? How much more should we pray that God will deepen our appreciation and love and knowledge of our true heavenly vocation and hope and our ability to share it with others? This is something to pray for each other, isn't it? It's why colleges need your prayers as we do intensive theological study. And this intensive theology might be something for you to consider too, especially if you're being encouraged in the leadership or teaching of God's people. But growing in the knowledge of God isn't just something for people at college. It's something for all of us to pray for and long for. Pastors, like Paul, will you pray for more theology? Will you pray for the people you serve that they will deepen and grow in their knowledge of God and his purposes? Will you pray that they will grow in their hope so they might lift their eyes to see it more? Will you pray for a greater sense of our heavenly calling and a greater appreciation of the riches of God's glory? Even more, pastors, will you pray for more theology for yourselves? There is a danger for those involved in Christian ministry that we can just assume our theology as a, as a given. That is, we can treat theology as a package of material that we've already mastered, maybe at theological college, and use it as a springboard to move on to something else, like church organisation or preaching skills. We can treat theology as something just to get right, to tick off our list, to tuck under our belts and then move on to other things. But this can be disastrous for you and the people you serve. They don't just need you to have good skills. Of course, you need skills too. But they need you, most of all, to be a person who is praying for an ever-growing depth of insight into God and His ways, and to be growing in hope. This is the point of theology. For reflection, what aspect of God and his purposes listed here strikes you the most? How can you make sure that you are praying for growth in knowing God and his purposes for yourself and for others? You've been listening to Lift Your Eyes, a lo-fi audio podcast. No witty banter, no crime solved, just me reading my reflections on Paul's letter to the Ephesians. I'm Lionel Windsor, New Testament lecturer at Moore College, Sydney. 
The text version of this podcast can be found at my website, www.lionelwindsor.net. Please check it out, subscribe and share.